My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be a spy. My name is Brie Castellini. I used to be Team Stefan, but I am now, like the trash that I am, Team Damon. I refuse to know what that is. It's Vampire Diaries. I'm going to talk about it a lot because it's the only thing I do now. And this is Burn Noticed, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece, Burn Notice, about Michael Weston, a spy. Throughout this podcast, we will be rating each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice. If you want to know what complicated calculations go into these ratings, listen to our intro episode or wait until the end where we'll explain them again and listen carefully because things have changed. Mm. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan, please get in touch. You can send us questions, suggestions, compliments, and no criticism of any kind at burnnoticedpodcast at gmail.com. That's burnnoticed with a D. Or to our Twitter, at burnnoticedpod. Once again, with a D. Reminder, everyone, that our Twitter giveaway of the Burn Notice Season 1 DVD set is still going. So if you have not yet gotten your tweets in um, about where you tag us at burnnoticedpod with a D, uh, about your favorite thing about the show in order to win a box set of DVDs from Burn Notice Season 1. Do that, because you have until November 2nd. And uh, once again, shout out to our friend Michelle from at From the Source Pod, which is an interview show, if you'll remember, uh, that examines what tech jobs are really like, the good, the bad, and the boring. Season 2 is starting soon, so go check them out and thank them for this awesome giveaway that we get to do. Yeah, I've been really enjoying your tweets so far. She said, in the past. <laughs> Bef- but I'm sure we have. Before this podcast goes out. Whatever. So yeah, don't forget about that. It's still a thing. Anyway. What episode are we talking about, Chris? We're talking about uh, this week's episode. Ooh. Uh, this week's episode? This week's episode, episode. What a twist. Season four, episode two, called Fast Friends, which is another very burn notice title. Yeah, um, a lot of friendship theming in this season. I wonder... Wouldn't it be great and why great, terrible, actually just mediocre, if the word friends was in every episode? It kind of seems like that is absolutely a thing that they would do, given that that kind of nonsense is what Matt Nix has done in The Gifted. Yeah, Um, that's true. I was going to say in the past, but in the future. Yeah, in the future and current. Unfortunately, next episode... (laughs) <laughs> and unfortunately next episode is not there's no friends in it so that's dis- that's disappointing and i don't I see friends. any the name the word like friends the concept does not of friends, appear not the television show the word friends does not appear in the rest of the season however there is a show called brother there there is an episode called brotherly love and nate is in the thumbnail and i'm furious oh my god but spoilers right. let's talk about this week yeah so fast friends aired on June 17th, 2010. It was written by Rashad Razani and directed by Denny Gordon, who are both old hands at this point. And Brie was not paying attention to the directing. Even I know, she said it's too that bad. Would that I normally, yeah, normally I pay it. I know. Well, I wasn't really paying attention. I was watching this in a rush like two hours ago. Of course. So I also was not me. paying a tremendous amount of attention to the direction. It, it didn't really <laughs> stick out to me either way. Yeah. 
I mean, and that's kind of what a television director should be doing. Like, as soon as you start to, like, really... Like, the only time that television directing stands out is when that's, like, the, the, the way that the show works. Like, when the show itself is really trying to, like, make a point. Um, and, like, that's part of the, the show Bible is how the direction works. But for most television shows, TV directors are just there to get the show shot and there's not a ton of creativity. Certainly not to the extent that like a film director gets. So yeah. what I'm saying is Danny Jordan did a good job because we didn't notice the directing. Or, or we used to pay attention to the directing a lot in early Burn Notice because it was fucking wild. It was wild and not good. And now yeah, but it's, it's very functional. Exactly. Now it is unremarkable in the best of ways. Yeah. Although I would kind of argue in our age-old question about are procedurals good? <laughs> that this desire to like hide directing is perhaps one of the reasons that they're not good. Maybe. I mean, I didn't just say that procedurals hide directing. Like a lot of television shows, even that are like more, you know, whatever direct. Like I feel like TV directing didn't get to be like a craft in and of itself the same way that at least we understand it as a craft in film directing until we started doing like streamers. Like it's only been in probably the last 10 years that TV started to get as cinematic as movies. But I feel like before that, regardless of what type of show it was. Yeah. That is 100% true. And, And part of that is just due to less episodes of television are being produced. That's so true, yeah, because they can, to, yeah, they can yeah. focus more on the individual craft and story of each episode rather than just like, we got to churn these bad boys out. Yeah. Et cetera. Uh, anyway. So what's Fast Friends about? So I'll tell you. The premise of this episode, according to <laughs> IMDb, a burned spy turns to Michael to help protect him from an enemy who has found him and wants him dead, not knowing that Michael is the person who burned him. According to it's a really badly phrased sentence, but that is that that I feel like that it's is a pretty the, good. Succinct... That is the IMDb way. Yeah, that is the IMDb way. But I but like can I say really quickly? Was good. I hate IMDb. I don't like <laughs> I mean, it. It is, it is owned by Amazon and wildly outdated, like most things that Amazon owns, like uh, without a box, which was I guess owned by IMDb, which is owned by Amazon. And the reason that Without a Box does not exist anymore is because it was terrible and looked like it was built in 1998 because it was and never got updated. And that's also IMDb. IMDb has not had a redesign of it its has not. front end, of its UI, of its back end since probably 2000s. It, yeah, it's really bad to look at. It's extremely bad to look at. It's so bad to look at. Um, it, actually, I will say... It has gotten less useful because whenever I'm trying on mobile to look up, like, anything about a specific episode of tele, like, an actor doing what specific episodes of a television show that they did, like, I cannot find that information. Yeah, the app has gotten worse, I feel like. Yeah. The, the actual desktop version is still largely usable, but yeah, the mobile app is garbage. Garbage. Absolute garbage. It's a garbage web- website. Don't care for it. And I want to get that out now before we get into those stinky, stanky weeds. Those I have been marinating weeds. in here waiting for you to come in and join me. All right. So the episode starts and Michael is planning to meet Vaughn again um, over 
Sam's strenuous objections, because Sam does not like this, obviously, because Sam and Fee do not like it ever when he's doing anything with management, for frankly good reason. And he believes that, also, he believes that Vaughn is a vampire name. I did appreciate that, because it Which kind is of is. really good. There's also a joke where, at, at first, Sam thinks that his name is Vince. Is that a Vince Vaughn joke? Is this a nod to Vince Vaughn? I miss that, and also... That wouldn't make any sense. Like, he's like, yeah, it's, like, weird. Like, what's that guy's name? Vince? No, it's Vaughn. Like, oh, okay. Maybe? I have I don't no know. idea. But, like, I don't know if that was supposed to be a reference to Vince Vaughn, who has not been referenced in a long time. Anyway. Yeah, Michael, surprisingly enough, doesn't want Jesse to be held indefinitely in a ho- remote holding facility. Mostly because he feels bad because Michael burned him, but also because it's bad when people are held in facilities un- indefinitely. And so Michael convinces Vaughn that Jesse's connected to all this. Jesse was looking into shit. Jesse is a source. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I can so- turn him. Don't send yes. him away. I can turn him. Exactly. Well, I don't think he necessarily is trying to recruit Jesse. And like, that's definitely not the tack that Vaughn is taking. Vaughn doesn't say recruit Jesse. What that's Vaughn true. is saying is pump Jesse for information. And Michael's like, that's fine. I can work with that. I will say, they went out of their way to make Vaughn seem a little bit cuddlier than other management people. But, like, Vaughn is back to being, like, a bad management person again. Well, even in the last episode, he was like, listen, we're on the same side. We just draw the line at a different point than you yeah. do. But, like, I do think that they ha- they were making an effort because they needed to seem nice enough that Michael would go along with it. Right. But then I but then they also need to at some point reestablish like these are the people who, you know, Yeah, exactly. Like, and so this is that moment of reestablishing it. Yeah, it's like when you it's it's the difference between the job interview and the actual day-to-day at the office. Yeah, it really is. So yes. And so um Vaughn tells Michael that Jesse has been using this bank to make phone calls and so th- he should go bug this phone at this bank. So he could bug Jesse's phone. So Michael and Fee break into this bank to bug this phone. Like, it's fine. They have There's a bit that's kind of cool where, like, they have 90 seconds to do it. And there's, like, a countdown or whatever. Although that doesn't mm-hmm. super matter. Because they definitely run out the 90 seconds. <laughs> but, yeah. And, like, Fee is doing a bit where she's making it look like she's a disgruntled employee. And then she also blows something up and it's fun. But this explosion, definitely CGI. Interesting. Like, I was looking at it like, no, this is, a, I'm pretty sure this is a CGI explosion. And Maybe like, the, the car debacle of season three made them think we should probably do fewer practical effects. Yeah. Yeah. It's entirely possible that it's not that their um, CGI budget has gone up, but their practical effects budget has gone down. Sure. Anyway, they bug Jesse's phone. And I believe that's the opening sequence. Does Madeline anyway, call into- them in the opening sequence or does she call them right after? Here's the thing. We never actually get the phone call. Okay, I could have sworn I missed something. But yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, you're right. We definitely didn't see it. No, we did not get a phone call. Coming back from the titles, Sam and Michael, like, burst into Madeline's guns drawn. Because Madeline has texted them and said that she needs help. And they are assuming that this is danger. Despite the fact that this happens literally all the time. Madeline is constantly texting them, I need help. And it is always some bullshit to do with the house every time. (laughs) Like, I suppose 
you don't want to be wrong one time. Sure. But yeah, I think every time that Madeline has been in trouble and they have to go to her rescue, it's not because she calls them. It's because somebody who is like holding her hostage or who is like outside of her house about to hold her hostage has called Michael. I don't think Madeline herself has ever literally called Michael for help. No. But yeah, it turns out she needs help to retile the garage because she's turning the garage into like a lo- an apartment and she's going to be renting it out. She says that she already has a tenant and he is a nice man with a cat. And at, and at first Michael's kind of like, but we do crime there. <laughs> That's where we crime. And Madeline's like, yeah, but I'm tired of crime. I'm, I'm into cats now. <laughs> and so... That just becomes a thing. Like, yep, Michael, uh, Madeline's doing this now. So they go in to work on the garage. And as they work on the garage, they are listening to Jesse's phone tap. And they hear Jesse make a call. And Jesse's making a call to someone who has a lead on whoever it was that burned him. Mm-hmm. Basically um, the same calls that Michael was. It was actually something that struck me is that it was almost identical in the way that him and his contact back at the yes. intelligence agency had to the one that Michael had with his former handler. Um, and I think it largely goes the same way where Michael tries to meet up with somebody and then like the FBI is on his tail or something. Yeah, no, it 100% does. The, the parallels That's are the really cool not thing about this plot. Yeah, they're showing it from the other side. Exactly. But yeah, so Jesse's going to meet a contact that he has uh, in the park or whatever. And they Jesse makes a meeting and the gang decides that they got to go to. So they stake out this meat. They're watching Jesse. I think at this point, Fee is like looking at Jesse and she's like, that's a strapping young fella. He seems nice. So they call him young and kid a lot in this episode. How I'm I'm actually going to look it up now because I'm like, how much actually younger is he? Here's the thing that like I did not remember about Jesse and I think it's kind of weird, but it's clearly the thing that they're doing, which is that Jesse is supposed to be young. Yeah, he doesn't like, look substantially younger. He does than not them, look substantially younger than any of them. Like, he's a handsome man. Yeah, he's a good looking boy. But like, yeah, no. And I'm realizing watching this episode that the tack that they're taking with Jesse is that he is young and impulsive. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, and like, six. that's wild. Because he's only that is not six what years I was younger than Jeffrey Donovan. He is a year younger. Six, six. He's six. Oh, years six younger. years younger. But that, but like, once you're an adult, that's not, that's not that doesn't mean as much. And no, he yeah, is five years younger than Fiona. Like, yeah, he's younger than them. But like, yeah, it doesn't read as like he's significantly younger than them. Like, yeah, they're playing him like he's the kid and he's trying to play it a little bit. Like the lines that they're giving him and stuff is to make him be the kid. And like, it's interesting. Well, he's also kind of like they're they're definitely also trying to play up the like he is Michael Weston without his team. Because there are several times in this episode, which I only noticed because the previously on Burn Notice sequence from like what happened last season, there was the stuff that happened in the season finale where Sam was like, you can't keep doing this lone wolf crap. And then like the whole conflict of this episode was Jesse pulling lone wolf crap and the team having to like bail him out. Like, you gotta be a team player, Jesse. Fee says in this scene, like, he needs a team. 
Mm-hmm. Like he, yeah, that's like she makes a point of contrasting. Like, yeah, this all happened to you too, Michael. But you had a team. Like they have a whole conversation of like, like Fee says, at least you woke up next to someone who wanted to help you. And he's like, if I remember, you kicked me. Which is classic Fee. Classic Fee. But yes, yeah, so they, they stick out this meat, which goes badly um, because yeah, it turns some, out to be a setup. Yeah, some blacked out SUVs show up. They notice that this is happening and want to warn Jesse without alerting them, alerting him to their presence. So um, Sam throws a bike chain from a bike that like he stole. He ruined that bike now. <laughs> and I felt I felt very bad for the person who owns that bike that they have and lost I feel, their bike I chain. feel worse for Jesse, the guy whose life they ruined. I guess. <laughs> I mean, how do we know that? We don't know that that's not Jesse's bike. <laughs> Insult injury. Right? What if it was Jesse's bike? I mean, bike? if this was a if this was a comedy show, that it absolutely would be Jesse's bike, and he like runs away and then finds it. Oh man! And it's just every time they try to help him, they actually make his life worse, and it becomes just sort of a comedy of errors. Yeah, no, that would be great. And he throws it on a power line, and that which causes like things to explode, and gets Jesse's it, attention. It completes and he looks a around. circuit between the two electrical charges. Yes. So boom, boom. Exactly. And Jesse's like, oh, shit, something's going down. Oh, shit, look, there's some bad guys. Oh, shit, I got to run and shoot stuff. And he's good at it. He runs and shoots stuff. Jesse's, Um, uh, he's impulsive, but he also picks up on things quick. When he sees something going down, he's like, all right, action time. So the next scene, Michael, it's nighttime, and Michael is arriving back at the loft. And he realizes that someone has definitely broke into the loft. And so he comes in, and it's Jesse. And Jesse, it turns out, has heard of Michael Weston and knows, has heard the stories of Michael Weston, the burned spy. And now that he, Jesse, is a burned spy, he figures he could use Michael's help, which is such a good plot idea. Because this it's is the other thing. Such a good was, plot idea. Even watching the first episode, I thought that maybe like Jesse was going to be more of an antagonist fucking with Michael or something. But yeah, no. Jesse is with them and doesn't know. Well, and that, I think, is what's going to turn him into the antagonist. I think... No, of course. I think what I assume is going to happen is, like, mid-season finale, he's going to find out what happened. Oh, 100%. And become an antagonist for, like, the last half of the season, but then they're going to reconcile. Yes, that is definitely what's going to happen. That's the energy that's going to take us through. But, like, that's great. That's a great idea. It's such a good idea. (laughs) Like, it's interesting. It's rich. There's a lot of, like, thematic layers to it like for the first time i actually genuinely believe the larry sizemore plot line of like maybe michael's not quite the boy scout we thought he was and now we're literally seeing the result of michael's sort of general carelessness about everyone around him after his own goals yeah 100 percent. like this is this is the thing this is how you do it this is exactly how you do it i cannot believe it's taken this long but yes so originally he thinks that Michael might just have a government contact. But Michael's like, I ain't got government contacts. It's like, I have a team. It's not a government team. And then Jesse explains that right now he's not concerned about getting into the FBI again or whatever. Right now he's concerned because there is this uh, drug runner named Ming Khan. And Ming Khan wants Jesse dead because he thinks that Jesse stole $2 million from him. And Michael says, well, I can't, I can't get you to the government but I can help you with this guy because, quote, burn spies should stick together. Honestly, if this was like if Jesse was our protagonist, but we had the like 
um, dramatic irony of knowing that Michael was the one that like burned him. That would be such a fucking maniacal line. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. But Michael What's is our protagonist. It's so cool. Like, yeah, like, Michael now sort of has the function of one of those people that Michael talked to in the earlier season. It's a, such a, mm-hmm. it's a really good idea. Yeah, no, it's excellent. All right. Anyway, Jesse can't go back to his apartment. So they set him up in a vacant apartment next to Fees. Is this the um, same vacant apartment that they had a dead drug dealer body in last season? Probably. That <laughs> um, also is apparently now infested with bees. Maybe yeah. from the dead body. Who knows? Yeah, because bees love dead bodies. <laughs> yeah, that's, that that's thing the about thing, bees right? that everyone knows. They're, bees, they're they make honey. Bees. They love dead bodies. <laughs> that's like a large section of what bee movie is about. <laughs> yeah, Jerry Seinfeld doesn't want to date the human lady. He wants to devour her corpse as it decays. Yeah, I mean, he does want that lady's body, though, right? <laughs> I've never like, is that seen not the text movie. of bee movie? I have no idea. That like. Like, that lady wants to fuck that bee? I have literally no idea. I think that's text. I've never seen Bee Movie. I've never seen it either. I've seen bits. If anyone wants wants us to... to Can someone tell us? Should we do it as a bonus episode? Is what I'm asking our community now. Should we watch Bee Movie? (laughs) And we'll just reference this episode. You're already making me watch Burn Notice. I know, but like we're already like we're we're racing towards halfway through the show, and I need to find new inventive ways of ruining your life if we're gonna keep talking every week. That's fair. Um, <laughs> anyway. So, anyways, he moves but into yeah, the so apartment near Fiona. Near, yeah, near Fiona. Fee is also not happy about this because another thing about Jesse um, is that he is a counterintelligence officer. So, like, not his job is to like investigate spies mm-hmm. which makes it extra bad that michael is a spy who burned him and sophie is not happy with the fact that like this burned spy who is definitely going to be gunning for michael is going to be living right next to her but she's fine with it she's also annoyed at the prospect that someone else might ruin her sheets <laughs> yeah and that's from that episode last season that I liked a lot more than you did because it was like a whole plot line. That was actually a Larry Sizemore episode where she got new sheets, then the magician fucked him up, and then Larry bled all over them, and she was very upset. Yeah. And then, yeah, she doesn't want to do it, but Michael's like, remember how you said in the other scene that he needs a team? She's like, yeah. <laughs> so Jesse explains to Michael and Fee that this guy, Ming Khan, was an Asian drug runner who snitched in order to get a safe haven in America, and Jesse was his handler. Uh, but while he was moving Khan's money to America, it was intercepted by the Chinese. However, Khan thinks that Jesse stole it and does wants Jesse dead. That's more details on the whole plot. Um, yeah. So Michael and Fee decide that the best plan of action is to get Khan arrested by getting him caught buying heavy weaponry. Jesse is surprised by this. Like <laughs> They have this like moment where he's like, yeah, we're going to, like, we'll, like, sell him weapons and then get him caught buying weapons and he's like you're just gonna do that and he's like yeah that's what spies do aren't you a spy and he's turns to feet he's I, like I, I think if you actually work for the government that's technically entrapment yeah jesse's still a little bit of a boy scout because you know he's yeah. more recently uh, so, on the government side 
I don't know if this is almost a meta joke about like, yeah, that's this is a burn notice plot. Like, I don't know if spies actually do this, but they do it every week on burn notice. And it almost feels like a metatextual joke about that. Like, yeah, we're spies. We we con criminals. We do funny accents. Because we're spies. Oh, my spies. God. The fucking accent voice oh, that he we'll does get in to this. the accent. Oh, my. Is it an accent? I. It's. It's it a lot. An we'll get there. Okay, so. So, actually, we'll get to it now. Yeah, I was going to um, say, I think we're about to get to it. So, uh, yeah, Michael approaches Khan. In character is, I believe, Mr. Turner, who, like, I don't know what his deal is. I think he's just, like, kind of a scumbag. Yeah, he's kind of like, like a middleman, because his whole He's like a middleman criminal, but he's he... kind of annoying. <laughs> he's so Like, annoying. it's weird that, like, his, his in on this guy is... This guy is kind of annoying. And, like, it doesn't seem like he knows what he's doing because he sounds kind of dumb. Here's what he sounds like. He sounds like an early Keanu Reeves character. (laughs) But, like, shittier. Yeah, he has got, like, a really deep, kind of, like, slow voice. Like, well, it's like a weird. I like like, this pork dish. Yeah. Yeah, Mongolian. But, but like, you can tell that he's doing... Like, it's one thing, like, to just have a different voice than you normally do. But, like, you can tell that he's modulating his voice in scene. Like, you can watch him, Oh, I'm just trying to talk with a lower voice. And it's just, like, it's so fake and No, it's, like, a weird accent. I don't know if it's, like, a California accent. Like, a deep California accent. I don't know exactly what he's going for. Yeah, it is impossible to tell what he's going for. But it certainly stands out. But it's also, like, it's unclear... Why this is a good play. Like, oftentimes, especially when, like, he's doing a character that isn't, like, intimidating or whatever. Like, whenever, like, he's doing a thing that's slightly counterintuitive with the alias, he explains, this is why you do this. Well, but maybe they're trying to stop repeating themselves. Because, like, it's very much like that sniffly guy from last season where it's like, if you're sick or appear very weak and annoying, like, why would your alias be I'm, you know, shitty and bad and everyone hates me? Like, you know, it's counter to what you would assume an infiltrator would be. So, like, if you're actively making yourself a nuisance, then they won't suspect you because they're more annoyed with you than they are suspicious. Yeah. Like, we've and had like, that spy yeah. tip, like, five times. Maybe they just finally realize, oh, maybe we don't need to tell them the same spy tip 18 times for them to understand. I mean, that's, that's like very doing. true. But, like, it, it did feel weird. It's like, okay, yeah, no. Yeah, Michael kind of like only weird... plays shitheads or, like, suave international men of mystery. Those are his only two characters. Exactly. Oh, no, sometimes he plays, like, a redneck with a heart of gold. That's true. But I that's just, like, shithead 2.0. That's fair. Because they're always still shitheads. <laughs> they're just shitheads with heart of gold. This whole thing is kind of sloppy. Because here's the thing, too, right? Like, his pitch to Khan doesn't work. Like, he says he's he says that he is also looking for Jesse because he needs Jesse for a reason. So he's like, here, we'll work together and we'll get Jesse. And then once you get what you need out of him, I will take him. Well, basically, the pitch is, I need Jesse permanently, you need Jesse punished and to give you your money. So once we get your money back, I will take him off your hands, and rest assured, he will not be happy with where I take him. But I will actually do the dirty work, you will get your money, everyone gets out of this clean. Also, I I happen to know where he is. That's his final bit of the pitch. Yeah, no, he's he's got pictures of Jesse, and Jesse's in like a a bunker. It kind of looks like he's in Sugar's apartment. It does look like Sugar's apartment, which is so easy to break into. 
right? But, but he, uh, he claims that, that there's like bombs really everywhere. Fortified bunker that you're going to need big heavy weapons to get into. Yes, uh, right. but yeah, Khan's remember, like not we're interested. We're trying to get him to buy illegal guns. That's their whole thing. Exactly. Khan's not interested because I don't think it's a good pitch. Yeah. It's a bad pitch. But I, but maybe that's part of it, you know? Yeah. But, like, that's the thing. Like, is it part of it? Because if it's a bad, like, because if it's too competent at first, then it's too easy. Like, how many times have we gotten a fucking spy tip that's like, if you make it too easy for them, and if you look like you're solving too many of their problems, then that's suspicious. This is true. Maybe I just don't like this voice. I mean, I love oh, the, the voice. Oh, vo- yeah, the voice is wild. But, like, the voice, I think, is weird. It yeah, seems it's, like a weird choice. It is, it is a super weird choice. I love it. So, they're going to convince Khan that he needs Michael's help. And so, in order to do it, they're going to stage a mock ambush of Khan. So, uh, Michael introduces Jesse to Sam, and they plan this ambush, wherein Jesse is going to go to Khan's, like, house... And, like, shoot a machine gun over the wall. <laughs> and then, like, and then Michael can show up and then scare Jesse off. And then Jesse's like, no, I should jump the wall. And Michael and Sam are like, okay, but you're definitely going to get shot. It's going to be a lot more dangerous if you jump the wall. And he's like, I can handle myself. I'm young. <laughs> I'm uh, the young, hot ingenue. Exactly. you old men. But, my, yeah, Michael and Sam are like, we know what we're doing. Like, listen to us and stay back, kid. So they go to do the ambush. And, of course, Jesse immediately jumps over the wall. <laughs> um, good old Jesse. Good old Jesse. We know him so well. Also, like, I'm not 100% sure what Jesse's plan is supposed to be. Because, like, he has a machine gun and, like, he's jumped into, like, a walled off building where a bunch of more men have guns i don't feel like that makes him seem threatening like the whole point is it certainly makes him seem unhinged it makes him seem unhinged like but not like a huge threat like the whole idea is that they're trying to make khan think that jesse is too big of a problem to be handled by himself but he's just one guy jumping over a like wall like, he's immensely shootable. Yes, he's extremely shootable. And, um... But you know how when you're young and you kind of feel, like, bulletproof? No, of course. He's so young, Chris. He's so young. No, I get that. I'm just <laughs> saying, like, it's weird that this would work. But yeah, yeah so no, Mike... I mean, it's a bad plan. It's for sure a bad plan. Michael... Uh, but yeah, so Michael comes in in character as Mr. Turner and scares Jesse off. Jesse, like, gets off a shot at Michael just to prove that they're enemies. And then... Michael's like, see, see what I mean? This guy, you need me. And Khan is suspicious, but accepts. Um, Also suspicious is Khan's right-hand man, Lee. Lee will become more important later. But yeah, so after after the ambush, Jesse meets up with Michael and Sam, and Sam is pissed that Jesse did not follow orders. And they get into this whole sort of shouting match. Uh, The young hot guy and the older, he's supposed to be hot guy. (laughs) And Michael has to pull him apart and be like, no, it, it's fine. It, it worked. Whatever. But Sam is not happy. So uh, Michael meets up with Khan again, and he has a huge shopping list of illegal guns. Like, so many illegal guns. And <laughs> to get this one guy who seems perfectly willing to put himself in a super, Exactly. This is what like, I'm saying. <laughs> they should have at position. least make it look, made it look like Jesse had guys. 
Right? Yeah, that's what I was expecting them to do, but no. Right, no. That's what I'm he's saying. Just a, and, he's like, a one But the thing army. is that, like, if Jesse had been shooting a machine gun over the wall or whatever, like, it might have made it seem like he had more guys. But no, it's, well, the reason that they need all of the guns is to get into the bunker. Right. Because the bunker that he is in, the supposed bunker, is very fortified. And so Michael shows up and says, we gotta buy all of these guns. And Lee... The right-hand man is like, I don't know about that. That seems like too many guns. But uh, And so Michael just gets mad at him <laughs> for doubting him. And then like, no, what are you talking about? You don't trust me, this number two guy? You think I'm suspicious? I'm not suspicious. I'm kind of dumb. Anyway, listen to me. <laughs> and Khan agrees. Khan's like, okay, I'll buy the guns. So then we get a scene of Fee and Jesse outfitting this truck with, like, all of these stabilizers and shit so it can carry all of the heavy weapons. And also outfitting it with nitrous. And then as they're talking, uh, Jesse explains to Fee that before he was a desk jockey, as he was a field agent. But he got in trouble because he wanted to get all the bad guys and not just some of the bad guys. And then he also explains that, like, he goes, I guess some guys can watch a guy beating up his girlfriend and some guys can't. I can't. And that endears him to Fee forever. <laughs> yeah, because that's Fee's whole thing. Is she's like, fuck all of these rules. If like we're solving a case and a different case comes up, I'm gonna deal with it. Like, yeah, Fee just wants the good people to be largely safe for her to have lots of money in her pockets for shoes, yeah. and to, and also you know, specifically, like women and children. They've established, yeah, like Fee has strong feelings about violence against women for like obvious reasons, but it's like. That is, like, specifically a thing for her. So Michael takes all of these guns to Con and Lee. And then so he starts piling these guns back into his car so they can go get Jesse. And then right on cue, the ever-suspicious number two, Mr. Lee, says that, no, we'll hold on to the guns. But this is exactly what Michael wanted. But Michael explains in character that, well, if, if you have the guns and the police see you, like, you'll get arrested because the guns will be much more obvious in your car because your car will be, like, carry, like hanging low or whatever. Like, this car is not prepped for these guns. You are definitely going to get arrested if you have all of these guns in your car. But uh, <laughs> Khan is like, no, I don't trust you. I'm going to put all these guns in my car. <laughs> I mean, uh, like, it's a good play, though. Like, because... Like everything, if you make it seem like you want to do a different thing, then ornery control freaks are going to do it the opposite way. It's classic reverse psychology. Yeah. And of course, Sam immediately calls the cops. And then the cops chase them, but Michael gets away in his souped up truck that has nitrous in it. But uh, Con and Lee, like, get run off the road, plow into, like, the, the side wall. The car turns over. And the trunk opens and guns comedically fall out of it. Just Truly pour out my of it. favorite car shot in all of Burn Notice right after the car going off the roof in the Fiona's brother episode. Yeah. Like those are the two best car gags they've done. And they do car gags sometimes, but like peak cinema is all I'm saying. It really was. And then they immediately get arrested. And then Khan's like, the police aren't going to arrest us, huh? Or something <laughs> to that effect. Yeah, so he so we're we're already sowing you know discontent between yeah. n- number one and number two. Exactly, and so things are done now. They, Khan got arrested, and there's only thirty minutes 
it's only been 30 minutes in this episode, but I assume they have a lot of like Jesse loose ends to tie up and maybe some Vaughn stuff. Let's see what happens mm-hmm. next. They're hanging out and feels like, you know, we haven't actually Michael is like, we haven't heard from Jesse. I keep trying to get in tr- touch with Jesse and feels like, yeah, it's fine. You know, like he's doing his shit. You it's do better you, that he's not in our lives. Like exactly. You know, maybe we don't yeah. want your constant source of guilt, who is also like a spy hunter, to hang out with us anymore. But Michael feels bad. But then it turns out that Khan got uh, has a get out of jail free card because he's a snitch. Um, so not only is he back on the street, but he has Jesse. Uh, and so he calls Michael and tells him he needs help getting that info out of Je- Jesse because, like, you want Jesse too. Here, help me get info out of him. So Michael decides that the best plan is to make it look like his side, his number two guy, Lee, stole the money. You know, the thing that they always do on this show. They're doing it again. So in order to do that, uh, Fee gets in touch with Barry, who gives uh, them info on Lee's personal bank account, uh, which exists in Antigua. And then Sam makes it look like Jesse has a relative in Antigua. This will be explained later. Uh, well, no, uh, it's not that it's not that the relative lives in Antigua. It's he just needs a relative like, that they can um, generally link back to him. So they find someone. No, with but here's the thing. Name. They make they make a point of Michael makes a point of telling Sam to make it look like she's in Antigua. It, I don't remember um, that. Yeah, it's, maybe think, it's just like to cover their tracks in case they like. No, go I think it's the so ant. they can communicate to Jesse that the bank account is in Antigua. Well, I, I mean, there's a lot of text in the article because basically what they do is they print out an article and like subtly show Jesse different yeah. prompt lines to tell. Exactly. Him. I don't, th- I don't think that it's necessarily that it's for the because I don't think they mention that she's from Antigua. Um, during the little scene that they do where they're like, well, no, but I do think Jesse is brings up the fact that the bank account is Antigua. No, no, he does, but I, but what I'm saying is, but yeah, but they have to communicate that, they have to communicate that information to Jesse. Yeah, but they made a fake article, right? Like that's not the actual article they printed out. So it doesn't matter if the ant is from Antigua; they just need to have the word Antigua somewhere on the page so that Michael can point to it. Point to it. Yeah, but in order to do that, I guess they made the ant be from Antigua. I'm saying that Michael specifically mentioned this to Sam. Yeah, I must have missed that. But I like this scene. This was a very clever little scene. This is a good scene. Yes, and it's a good like. Intro to this guy is actually probably going to be a good teammate because he fucking exactly. Yeah, let me. So yeah, like yeah. So Michael shows up and first he's like, Khan's like he's not talking. And Michael's like, Did you say you were going to kill him? And so yeah. And they're like, No wonder he's not talking. And so and so Khan's like, Well, how are you going to make him talk? And it's like with this. And he's got a briefcase. Um, And he walks in and he pulls out this uh, piece of paper that he has in the briefcase that Sam made and says that it is an obituary for Jesse's aunt Kathy and then he shows it to everyone cuz that's the thing yet like he shows it to them too the bad guys and says mm-hmm. look at this this is an obituary from like this aunt Kathy mm-hmm. um yeah i think the point was more to show them the picture yeah uh, and like the the headline cuz like all the rest of the details that he's going to secretly get to Jesse are like buried in the article exactly yeah 
but it has to be like hidden enough that if they took the obituary from him, they wouldn't read it and go, oh, this is all. I mean, they might recognize the bank account number, but like, and he, but he shows it to them and says like, here, uh, I killed your Aunt Kathy. I'll kill your mom next. And he says, in order to give, give us the information or I'll kill your mom. And like, look at this paper very carefully while you make this decision. And then, yes, of course, all of the information that Jesse needs to know is on the paper. And he's just pointing to different bits of the paper. He's like, look at this obituary carefully. And of course, like, Jesse picks it up and is like, you killed my Aunt Kathy? What the fuck? You suck. And also, Michael takes a point of to smack him around just to make sure everyone knows that, like, Michael's a bad guy. And so, yes, one of the things that they have hidden on the obituary is the bank account number that, like, Jesse, who did steal the money, because, like, they can't say that Jesse didn't steal the money. So he says, I did steal the money. It was supposed to go to this bank account in Antigua. And then he reads off the, the bank account number, and it is Lee's. And then, of course, Khan gets real mad and shoots Lee, and then Lee shoots Khan, and they both die. And that's how you be a spy. And that's how you be a good person by convincing bad guys to shoot each other. After that's done, we should also mention that while this whole episode is going on, uh, Madeline's renter that she had with the cat left because they found a detonator in the garage. Yeah, the cat the, found the, a detonator. The, yeah, the cat found the, like, not even just a detonator, but like a collection of detonators. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's um, definitely so, an arsonist garage. No, thank exactly. you, ma'am. My cat is not safe here. Here's the thing. I don't think what they implied is that the cat exploded, but I'm going to assume that's what happened. <laughs> well, if it's just a detonator, but no. I mean, detonators are like explosives too. Are they? I don't think they are. A detonator is like a remote control without a TV to control. I mean, it could also be like a, um, I guess it could be electricity too. Because like, it's the thing that you attach to like, because like, you have like a big brick of like, jelly night or something right mm-hmm. at the very least it's gotta like so you have like a little explosive that goes off and causes a reaction with the big explosive you can also put like electricity through it i guess i don't know it's fun to think about basically, cats exploding okay basically the cat is dead somehow the cat is dead yeah or anyway so of course obviously fee has worked it out with madeline that jesse is going to stay in madeline's garage at one point, Michael and Madeline talk about it. And she's like, yeah, no, it turns out, like, I like that you do dangerous stuff because it means you're doing good things. And, like, I, why would I not want to surround myself with people like you who do good things uh, and occasionally blow stuff up? And then she goes, also, I forgot how much I hate cats. <laughs> but yes, so now Jesse is going to be living with Madeline, which is great. So Michael meets with Vaughn, who leans on him to get all the info on whatever it was that Jesse was hunting, because it's probably the same thing that they're hunting. And the clock, he assures Michael, is ticking. And so Michael goes back to Jesse and is like, tries to get info out of him. And Jesse's immediately suspicious, like, you want my secret classified info? And Michael's like, I want to help you catch the guy that you're trying to catch. And he's like, this is okay, you can help me. And then he says, but here's the thing, I'm going to get back into the government. Like, I'm going to get a medal for all of this work. And then once I get back into the government and get in good graces with everyone and get my job back and everyone loves me, I'm going to find the person who ruined my life and I'm going to kill them. Is that okay with you? And then Michael's like, that's okay with me. And that's how the episode ends. It's so good. I love it. It's good. It's a good concept. It's such a good 
concept and they're they're so far fucking following through. And I loved all the spy. Like, this was a really good spy episode. Like, the scene where Jesse's kidnapped and Michael has to go get him, like, that little improvisation uh, is excellent. It's, like, just, it was really well done. I thought it was fun. I thought it was tense. I thought it was clever. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I thought it was good. I do wonder, knowing this show, they will drag it along and do nothing with it. And that at the end of every episode, there will be a little hint that suggests that it's going to be bad when Jesse finds out. <laughs> but I think I that, suspect that, that's how it's going to go. But like, that's kind of fine. Cause like the, the Jesse thing has to do two things. First, it has to kind of introduce us to like this new mainstay character. Even if they're just intending him to be there for one season, we need to get used to him being a part of the ensemble. So like, I don't think every episode needs to be about, Oh, when I find the guy that burns me, cause like that's going to get too much. So I don't actually think I hate that as I as a concept, which I agree well, with no, you is definitely going to But like, be I actually think it will be like, oh, if I find the guys who burn me. That's what I'm expecting, actually, from them. Like, they'll just do that at the end of the episode. We'll see. Although I will say, just the fact that, like, the character that Michael has a conflict with is a character that will be in, ep- like, regularly in episodes is better. Because part of the thing that, that with, like, when we were checking in with Carla or whatever, is that Carla was barely involved in anything. So who cares if he has a conflict with Carla? The fact that Jesse is here and living with Madeline and is in their business all the time is like just an inherently more interesting idea. And we care about, we don't care about Carla, but we care about Jesse. Like that's what, that's what makes it conflict. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's great. And I like, I'm not, I'm nervous about like the dismount. But I don't, but I'm excited for the journey, you know? Like, this is one of the first times with Burnus where I'm like, I'm actually excited to see where this goes. I don't trust them enough to think that it's going to end in an interesting way, but I'm hopeful and I'm excited for the, what's going to get us there. Like, I, I know at least I'm going to enjoy the journey and that's more than I get usually from Burn Notice. That's true. Normally the journey is not great. Yeah, normally it's all just sort of like, bum, 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 and it's like only the episodes that are outside of the continuity of whatever nonsense arc is happening that it's like interesting. But this time I'm like, no, I this is an arc I'm interested in. Because even yes. if it's not explicitly mentioned, every like scene together is a little bit charged. You know, it's like you're, you're, yeah. there's, a, there's a secret. There's always a secret there, even if the secret isn't being brought up. No, of course. Anyway, let's talk about spy tips. Let's talk. About spy tips. Starting off with this first tip that, like, you know, it's interesting how a lot of times on Burn Notice, like, the first tip is usually not a spy tip. It's usually, like, some Michael voiceover saying some general thematic thing, especially at the beginning of the season. It's like, you know, when you're a spy, you got to make hard decisions. Or, like, when you're (laughs) a spy, everyone's trying to kill you. Or when you're a spy, you got to eat yogurt. Anyway, this one starts with, housed in office utility rooms, a PBX is the phone switchboard for a whole company. Using a router with upgraded firmware, pros can hack them to make untraceable calls from the comfort of their own homes. It's how spies get free long distance. Identifying the right line to bug in PBX is as simple as matching call times from your records to those in the computer. Of course, you have to comb through thousands of phone calls. It's easier said than done. Is that any, what do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's a lot. That's, that gives me a lot of places to start. If I, yeah. if, if I was a pro, that would be information I could use. Exactly. 
Anytime there's an acronym, I usually feel good about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Like, this one's kind of iffy, but I like I like the scene. I don't know. We've had things like this before. Uh, we'll see what you think. Everyone knows spies are good with languages and firearms, but they need to be great storytellers, too. If you can't uh, keep a break in a secret, you have to get creative to cover your tracks. If a company is just laid off half its staff, no one asks many questions when it looks like an ex-employee broke in to make a mess. Oh, yeah. I, I like it. As I was watching, I was like, oh, that's a good spy tip. Yeah. Cool. Like, I think if they hadn't mentioned, like, the layoff thing and it was just like, you got to get creative, then it would have been bad. But, like, no, I think that works. Yeah, I think it works, especially in context of Fiona, like, tearing the motivational posters off the wall and writing outsource this or something yeah. on the wall. I think that's literally what she writes, outsource she this, writes exclamation outsource point. This, yeah. Three, wrap a metal chain around two power lines and you complete a very powerful electrical circuit. It can get you arrested, but it's a good way to make a ruckus in a pinch. Yeah, useful. Yeah. Like engineers and wedding planners, spies obsess over details. If you always keep a lock with a logo facing in and suddenly you find it turned out, you've got a problem. When you know someone's about to get the drop on you, you play it safe. You can play it safe or walk away, or you can pretend nothing's wrong, go on about your business and get the drop on them. I like the lock thing. Yeah, it's the, the lock thing, yeah. The lock thing is specific, and I don't think it's exactly something we've seen before. We've seen lots of things like that, but I think this is actually one of those tips where like it's good to have a variety of different things because there's always like the the hair and the door like things like that it's good to have different ones yeah i agree because this is again like the original reason that this is a part of our rating system is because i still use burn notice spy tips to like be safe as a woman walking through the world and uh, that is something useful. Like, if I'm worried that, like, someone has been following me or, like, fucking with me, then, like, if I have something locked, changing, the, like, having a distinct way that I set my lock or whatever, like, uh, there's a... I think it's a scene in Winona Earp, actually. No, in Roswell, New Mexico. Ah, the show that I love. Roswell, New Mexico. There's a there's a scene where... As opposed to the show that you're sort of confused by. Yeah, exactly. Um, but in Roswell, New Mexico, there's a scene where, like, something is in a safe that they don't want another character to have. And so the main character sets the combination on the combination lock to a certain number. And when she goes to check it later, uh, it's on a different number. So she knows somebody has been into the safe. And it's the same kind of concept. But um, yeah. but it's called out here. And that's useful because literally, hey, maybe Liz from Roswell, New Mexico watched Burn Notice and got the idea from them. I'm just saying it could be possible. Yeah, it is within the realm of possibility. <laughs> Aliens <laughs> exist in this show. Bird Notice can too. <laughs> it, I mean, it, it, you know, it stands to reason. Yeah. Anyway. When using a street vehicle to haul serious weapons, some modifications are in order. Uh, Heavy-duty coil springs are used by dune buggies to cra- race across the desert. Add them to your suspension system and you can hit a few potholes without snapping an axle. A strut brace over your engine stabilizes your center of gravity, and nothing helps with a fast getaway like a nitrous oxide tank connected to your fuel injector. Yeah, it's a lot of car talk. Car stop, yeah. If I, if I knew cars, then maybe that would be useful. Exactly. I don't know cars either, but like, yeah. It all sounds <laughs> yeah. We're just nice two girls specific. confused by cars. I'm sure it's really smart, <sighs> though. Yeah. I'm sure you could help me with my car. <laughs> I need to buy a new car. Can you help me buy my new car? Yeah, if anyone can get Chris a job or buy her a new car, send us an email. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, but that's something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Few things are more dangerous than passing a message in plain view of hostels. To do it, you need a reason to get close to someone. You don't get to be choosy about how. And this in itself isn't much, but 
paired with the thing that they do in the episode, I thought that was very clever. Yeah, I did too. The, that that was one of my favorite scenes. Like, I love scenes like that that are just, like, really well-contained, really clever, really using their environment and, like, their improv skills. Like, Burn Notice is at its best when they don't have time to plan and they just have to, like, figure something out and hope that the yeah. other person is competent enough to pick up what they're putting down. Yeah, no, that, it's really great. Actually, I was going to talk about this last week, but there's a thing about Burn Notice that's sort of interesting where... Um, And I think this is like a general, not problem, but thing that happens when you have a show about someone who's supposed to be the best at something. Like, Michael is supposed to be the best spy who ever spied, right? Yes. And he's Uh, so good at reading articles and... Yeah, he's so good at spying. Yeah. And like, lots of times, shows like this are about that. Like, are about someone who's really good at their job. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. well, yeah, why would is, you make a television show about just, like, a guy, no, yeah. a mediocre but guy? But what's sort of interesting is that because of the nature of television, like, there has to be reversals where things go wrong and, like, stuff, like, go, happens. And, like, because they can't actually solve the thing or beat the bad guy until, like, 40 minutes into the episode. Which means that, like, most of the time you're watching this person fail. Mm-hmm. So there's this sort of interesting thing of there's a weird almost dissonance where, like, you have a person that everyone is impressed by, but, like, he seems almost less impressive to you because you know how he does it and you see him fuck up a lot. But most most of the people that are impressed by him only really see the end of it. Exactly. And the, the, there's sort of something interesting there. But I also um, think that it's like a testament to Michael that like despite like, – I don't, I don't know if I would consider it fucking up. Like, because – so much of spycraft and like lying is taking risks and sometimes risks don't pay off that's why they're risks and what matters what makes you truly competent is what you do with the new situation and i think no, that's totally. where michael weston really thrives is like yeah. he has a plan he's good at making plans sometimes the plan works usually something unintentional happens because you know you can't plan for everything especially when you don't have any resources at your back and so what makes him special is even when his back's against a wall you know his friend that he definitely fucked up over but doesn't know it yet is tied up and about to get murdered by a bunch of drug dealers that he doesn't know like he figures a way out he's good at improv yeah michael is a listen to his funny voices (laughs) anyway that's enough spy tips that this episode passes yeah definitely that's what is Um, six six spy tips yeah not bad yeah six spy tips it definitely passes it's got one extra Spycraft over um, violence? I think definitely. Yeah. We literally just had like a whole diatribe about like how good he is at spy stuff. Exactly. Really good at spy stuff this week. How do we feel about this alias? So here's what I think. It's definitely memorable because we spent like a full like 15 minutes talking about what the fuck voice was he doing. And I think that's kind of what we're looking for, right? Like there's there's a lot of spectrums of Michael Weston aliases and some of them are just fully unremarkable. And some of them are so memorable like Homer that even three seasons later, we're like, man, remember Homer? But this one, it's memorable. I'm going to remember this alias because of his stupid like early Keanu Reeves voice. I will say, and he's shitty I'll and bad at everything. I don't know if I enjoyed it. That's not the point. The point of the alias is not did we like the the alias. It's memorable. I think, like specifically, we were like, is it a distinct memorable That's alias? Fair. You're you know? right. And I'll and give it's it that. Memorable. All right, then he gets this. Uh, were Fee and Sam used well? 
So Sam's had an interesting beginning to the season because he's there and he's great in scenes, but he hasn't really had a standout moment just because we have so much else going on. Like Jesse has kind of, he's the new kid in town. And so, you know, all the boys can't have their moment in the same episode. But since Fiona is still the token girl, she can kind of play around. So I think Fee had a good episode. Um, Not as good as last week, but Sam was sort of just there. Sam's sort of there. You know what would be interesting? Like, I feel like we would have been more inclined to, like, like Sam in this episode if it had been his idea to do the bike chain thing. Yeah. But unfortunately, we can never let anyone else make good decisions. It's only Michael. Exactly. If, like, Sam had done it, too, that would have been, like, a thing. Like, oh, hey. like I have an idea, and it's because I'm so good at shot put. Michael's like, what are you yeah. talking about? And then he goes and he does it, and he's like, oh. You are good. But that would have been fun. Like, yeah. But I do think it's you make a good point, which is that Sam sort of with another male like guy being there, like another male energy, like Sam is needed less. Mm-hmm. And I'm well, because like to track ensemble is all that. about yeah how that how that plays out in the rest of the season. Because like it's uh, like an ensemble show is all about balance and like the thing that you and I were concerned about with Jesse coming in was that Jesse and Michael would be too matched, but uh, we should have actually realized that Sam and Jesse would be the real sort of balancing act because Michael always has to be there and is our protagonist, so inherently he's always going to get you know his time in the spotlight, but it's Sam who gets you know yeah. pushed to the side in service of Jesse's thing. Sam's kind of just the dad in this episode. He's like, oh, this yeah. kid is so unruly. I should ground him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but maybe that's what he needs to be. Because I think, was it implied that something happened to Jesse's parents? Uh, was it? I just watched a episode of Vampire Diaries where someone's parents were revealed to have been tragically killed. So I can't yeah. quite keep it straight. <laughs> no, because I think, like, I, I don't know. All I know is I think... Jesse said something toward the end of Fee. Oh, he did. He did. Yes. It was it, that, it was about, talk, they were, I think, talking about Madeline. And Michael's yeah. making fun of the garage decor because it's a very yeah. Madeline decor. And yeah, what did he say? I don't know exactly what he said, but it definitely implied that whatever happened, Jesse's mom does not have it going on anymore. <laughs> Horrific. Speaking of Jesse. Um... Is he interesting enough to be a main character? This is the new yes. question, if you don't remember from last week, the new yeah. question that we are asking ourselves. Yeah, and I think, yes, I think Jesse is definitely interesting enough to be a main character. Um, just like, not just in terms of the relation, the complicated relationship he has to Michael that he doesn't know yet, um, but I also think that like the fact that you know, we've spent three seasons getting this little threesome to like a well-oiled machine, throwing in a little bit of a wild card who's highly competent and great, but a little bit wild and not quite integrated in the team yet. I think that makes him interesting. And I think it adds a new like thorn in the side because like Fee and Sam will bicker, 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 but they've kind of fully decided Michael's in charge. So if Michael tells us to do something, we'll bicker, but we'll do the thing. But now that Jesse's in play and he doesn't have, you know, the blind trust of all of these randos that have just sort of adopted him out of nowhere. um, I think that that makes the, you know, the team dynamics continue to be interesting, which is something that I was looking forward to even before I remembered how Jesse and Michael actually met. So uh, I say yes. No, yeah, I think, I don't know. I will say I'm not 
100% sure what his character is in this episode. Because, like, again, I think he's supposed to be, like, he's a, hot a young hotshot. Yeah. But, like, again, I don't know if it's just that, like, he doesn't seem that young. And he doesn't seem, like, supposed to be, like, a wild card, I guess. But I don't mm-hmm. get very wild card vibes from him. He did jump the fence and go in with an automatic weapon. No, he did do that, but like I don't think the char- I don't think the actor is particularly good at playing that. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see where it goes next. I hope that we get a little more range out of him cuz he's yeah, he was he was definitely very reserved for being allegedly yeah. the young wild child. Exactly. That's the thing is that like so it it seems like but it's, a little he's bit new what to this they're character, doing, you know? It's like the first yeah, couple like, episodes of Burn Notice, we didn't quite have a dynamic yet. Oh no, of course. But like um I'm also like giving I want to give the show room to grow. So like I'm um, but and enough that like I don't know because I don't quite get Jesse yet. Because, again, I think like a lot of what's on the page is being very contrasted by the performance that he's giving. Sure. Um, But you're curious enough to want to learn more. Right. And isn't that all you really need out of a main character? But I mean, um, I'm here's the thing, though, like. I'm I'm interested in this plot line. Oh, I think, but not like, necessarily interested in him as a character outside. Yes. Of okay. Yeah. That's like, fair. I don't know how. I don't know what the show looks like afterwards. Like I was saying, like I don't know. Like, like this plot line is interesting. Um, but like I don't know if he's interesting. He just seems. He seems a little generic, and like, like they try to give him a thing because, like, also his thing, I guess, is that like. He cares too much, but like also Michael cares too much. Like and Fee cares too much. Like like I don't. He's actually kind of a weird amalgam of the three of them. He's more of an amalgam of uh, Fee and Michael. Sure. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see scenes where it's Sam and Jesse together because I'm curious what that dynamic ends up being, given that they're kind of vying for screen time now. Yeah, but I also what's interesting too is that. Sam being in kind of dad mode is not my favorite version of Sam. I think it's a little boring. And I think that's a, like, it's always kind of boring when you play Sam as the voice of reason. Like, it makes sense to yeah. do it. But, like, well, cause, that's Because not... he's still, he's still very much on the side of the law. Like, that's yeah. his and Fiona's whole conflict is that Fiona's chaotic right. and Sam is lawful. Exactly. But what's in, but that's kind of also at odds with Bruce Campbell, who like Bruce Campbell mm-hmm. is interesting, but he's chaotic. That's like a tension that's inherent in the character in his general. His personality is chaotic, but his choices are not. Yeah, even his choices with women, are always like, lawful. He's a womanizer, but Sam isn't a womanizer in the sense that like Lucifer from the television show Lucifer, where he just sleeps with everyone. Like Sam yeah. wants to bag him a long term relationship. You know, yeah. Sam Sam enjoys all of the flavors of ladies that Miami has to offer to him. But, like, every time he gets his eyes on someone, he immediately wants to, like, move in and buy each other presents and, like, just, like, settle Sam down Max for a, a night Sam is a real U-Haul lesbian. <laughs> he really is, though. And I and I think that's what it is, is that, like, he, he's he's got all... I think maybe when he was younger, he had all the sass. But I think Sam's sort of position in the group is not quite his dad, but he's, like, the wine uncle. You know, where he wants to settle down, but he's still got a little sass from his earlier days. You had a little sass in saying the word sass. <laughs> anyway, so I don't know in this episode if I thought 
Jesse was inherently interesting. Like I said, I think his plotline is interesting, but I don't know if he's interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely not. Like, she she had some fun. The fact that she set up Jesse at Michael's mom's house without telling him first is funny. Um, but that mostly happened off screen, so I guess it doesn't really count towards, like, Fee being used well in the episode. No, no, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about Jesse. Oh, wow, I totally missed that. No, I'm like, I was just sort of restating. I think the plot line of Jesse is interesting, but I don't know if Jesse himself is interesting. That's fair. I mean, we we are, we're, we're at great episode of Bird Notice level. Um, I disagree. I think Jesse is interesting, but I, I agree with you. I think I'm willing to be more lenient just because like, I genuinely really enjoyed these two episodes of Bird Notice. Like I really enjoyed the season opener for season four. Like I was excited at the end of season three because I just needed something new. And like, it has genuinely surprised me how much I enjoyed the episodes themselves and also what they are setting up for the rest of the season. And I am maybe a little bit more willing to give the poor Kobe some leniency because, you know, he's new to he's he's getting his his feet wet. He's figuring it out. And I am happy. I'm a happy camper. So I'm going to give it to him. I understand why you wouldn't. And I think we can both agree at the very least that we're excited to see where this goes. All right. So this is definitely a great episode of Burn Notice. Is it a great episode of television? I actually liked the episode better than the first episode. Like, because, like, the first episode, one of our caveats was it is the season premiere and that has different rules. As a first episode back, like, true, like, you know, setting up the season but not a premiere episode, I thought it was really well done. Like, I thought that the bad guy plot was very, like, straightforward but fun. There were a lot of layers to it. There was a lot of really good spy scenes. There was a lot of interpersonal conflict and like you know the conflicting morality of Michael being hired by the person he fucked up and like ending the episode agreeing that he deserved to be killed yeah I don't know I thought it was really tense and emotional and it was fun and like I liked that it wove in the long-term effect yes of the mistake Michael made with a exactly episode of the week I thought it was I thought it was great by making him the client right away and not just making him the client, but, like, having him come to them. Yes. Like, on a worse season of Burn Notice, like, they would have... Michael would have been hunting for Jesse all season. Mm-hmm. Like, all, like, the first half of the season, like, the winter half, would have just been Michael trying to find Jesse and then occasionally talking to Jesse sometimes at the end of the episode and, like... in. Like, that's what it would have been. The fact that, like, Jesse is here. He is already, he's living with Madeline. And he is, um, Yeah, him living with Madeline is I am extremely excited about. Yeah. Like, what was the other, Jason Bly, was that his name? Mm-hmm. Which one is he? He's the one from Bad Breaks. Oh, he's not the him, one that... Who's the other one? Who's oh, the Brennan? other, Brennan, or whatever. Like, there's always a thing where, like, they do a bit towards the end of the episode, like in the finale, where suddenly the bad guy that we've been following the whole time gets to be the client, where like the, like the right, yeah, like the problem with Carla character. is that yeah, the problem with Carla was always that we never actually got an episode with Carla. She was just occasionally there in the background, but like we never actually really fully got introduced to her as a person. Yeah, and like it's always like a thing. Like towards the end, we actually make the character the client. Mm-hmm. And, like, they did that 
in the first episode. That's yeah. just so competent. It's yeah, it's it's good. So I, I we're kind of both dancing around it, but I think it was a great episode of television. Yeah, I think like I think this actual like the plot had a lot of spy stuff. The like whole like Khan and Lee stuff is stuff that we've seen so many times before. But the but yeah, way that it, they, was, it came together, I think, was what was interesting. The devils in the details and all that. Yeah, and that's true. And I liked the scene at the end. Yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm afraid to say too many nice things about this show. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm, sure, sure. I'm sure it'll disappoint us soon. But right now, I'm basking in what I thought I was going to be dreading this weekend. So. True. Great episode um, of Burn Notice. Great episode of Television. That's yeah. a that's a two in a row. I don't. We we rarely have that. Usually, the first great episodes of Burn Notice are it, the se- episodes three and four of the season. Both season two and season three were an episode of Television, and then back to back three and four great episodes of Television. Yeah, you know the the thing about Rashad Rizani actually is that he seems to be good at rating really good episodes of Burn Notice. Yeah, he's had a great episode of television before um, last season. I think that was his first one last season. Yeah. But I think um, he's but, he's generally a solid writer. The th- yeah, he's a solid writer. But the thing is that, like, more than other writers that we like, Rashad Razani is good at doing the burn notice thing. Like, Definitely. Yeah, like, he, but, like, he's not quite as wacky as no. O'Neill and Tracy and Horowitz. Um, like, he's, he's definitely, Rashad Razani, I think, is the closest to the Matt Nix version of Burn Notice, but, like, a little fresher. The same but way yeah, that I think thing, Ben is Watkins is He's better is very... at, at executing Matt Nix's vision than Matt Nix is. <laughs> I think so. Although, I think Matt Nix is getting his stride, too. No, he's like, definitely, we, we've yeah. We've been enjoying a lot more of his. Um but yeah, yeah, I, I agree. His is a name right. that I don't groan at when I see it on screen. Yeah. All right. With that, there's nothing left to do but to thank Vincent E.L. for our theme music. If you want more from Vincent, uh, go to vincentel.bandcamp.com. Bye. Goodbye. That was horrifying. <laughs>